Our topic this year is going to be uh, Fruits of the Spirits from, from Galatians 5. And um, we don't ever just jump into a verse. we got to get a little context going here. So Galatians 5 is towards the end of the book of Galatians. And the book of Galatians is written by Paul. And those of you who know about Apostle Paul, he did not start out as a wonderful Christian man. He was a Roman citizen. He was a Pharisee, and he um, actually thought he was doing God a favor by um, persecuting Christians, even took part in the murder of and stoning of uh, Stephen. So he uh, was very, very far from whatever God would have wanted from him. And one day he was walking along the road of Damascus, and he was blinded by the Lord Jesus. And Jesus said to him, why are you persecuting me? And he was, and at the end of three days, Paul's heart was changed, his sight was restored, and he became um, an apostle, disciple, and an author of many verses in the New Testament. So we're very thankful for Paul's conversion in the, the um, books of the Bible that he gives us. And um, you know what I did? I skipped right over prayer, and I really wanted to start there this morning. So I'm going to just offer up a little prayer, and then we'll get right into the book here. Dearest Jesus, I thank you for the many, many years of Chris Townman's Bible study. I thank you for your word. I thank you for your faithfulness. I thank you for your encouragement. I just thank you, Lord, how you speak to our hearts. You change us from the inside out. Lord, your ways are not our ways. And it takes us a long time to learn those ways. But we thank you for the opportunity to learn, to grow. Lord, to be part of an ever-widening circle where we learn, we encourage others, they move on, they encourage others in their life, Lord. I think that this ministry has gone out for many, many miles, Lord, across states, even across countries, as the ladies move away, make connection. I pray, Lord, that this year would be a year of growth, of walking in your word, Lord, of seeing you in a new way and learning to love you, Lord. We thank you that you first loved us. We pray that you would just clear our minds and hearts, Lord, and help us to stay really focused on this time we have together. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, I needed that. <laughs> so, Galatians, we've got Paul. And Paul, his assignment in life was to um, minister to the Gentiles. And, um, and he had this big job because um, the law had been the only way people knew God, knew of God in the past. They didn't understand grace. They didn't understand faith, um, uh, salvation by faith. And they were forever trying to add things to their salvation. And so he felt like he had told them the gospel, taught them the gospel. They'd come to know the Lord, and yet they kept stepping back into the law. And so the first five books of, the, of Galatians, he's pretty much saying, um, you cannot work your way to being a believer. You, can, you are not, the law exposes your sin and shows you that you need salvation. And when you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, then you are saved. It's not the case that you work your way to heaven. We do, as Christians, we have works to do. But that um, comes after our salvation. We don't work our way 
to heaven. So that's kind of a subtle difference, but it's also very fundamental. And it affects everything that we do in our life. If we think that we're doing things uh, to gain God's favor, then we've got it backwards. So that's why I didn't want to start with just this beautiful list of fruits of the spirit, you know, love, joy, peace, patience. Those are those things just all make our hearts sing. And we all want to be those people who are full of love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, self-control. But we don't start there. We start with God. And we start with our salvation. And we start with walking in the spirit. So I think it's really important today that we talk about the spirit, our wonderful Holy Spirit. And um, I, I can't do any better than what scripture has for us. And this is, this is the place to start. If we want the fruits of the spirit, we have to know who he is. This is a message for those who believe in him. We can only have the spirit if we belong to God, if we are a child of God. God. So who is the Holy Spirit? Well, he's not an it. I read that and I thought, I guess some people think that he's just kind of this it. But he's not. There are many spirits in the world. There is only one Holy Spirit. And our Holy Spirit is part of the Trinity. He is, um, you know, you have Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. We are talking about the Holy Spirit. He is everything. He is all the fullness of God. He is in character. He is the same. And God is what? Uh, can you guys call out some things that you know about God? He's omniscient. He's a creator, all-knowing, provider, healer, comforter, redeemer, friend. Everything that we read of God the Father and God the Son, the Holy Spirit is also. Um. They have different functions, though. And in, they're all from eternity past, right? God has no beginning and no end. We don't understand that. Eternity. But God had no beginning and no end. But in the Bible, we begin to see from the very beginning God's interaction with man. So let's look at the very first verse of the Bible. Now, you don't have to turn with me. Like I said, I'm going to be doing a lot of of turning a lot of it will be in the book of John, which won't be too hard to keep up. But um, you also have the verses on your page there. Genesis 1:1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was out form and void, and darkness was on the face of the deep, and the spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. So in the very first verse, we see the spirit of God. All through the Old Testament, we see um, the Holy Spirit as the protector and the guide for Israel. In Isaiah um, 63, it even talks about the fact that um, Israel grieved the Holy Spirit. He was there for them. He guided them. He was available to them. And they turned away. And they grieved him. And... Um, in 1 Peter 1.11, we know that the Holy Spirit inspired scripture from of old and also in the New Testament. Um, so the words of the God of the Bible are inspired by, by God, by the Holy Spirit. 
In 1 Peter 1.11, it says, Of this salvation the prophets have inquired and searched carefully, who prophesied of the grace that would come to you, searching what or what manner of time the Spirit of Christ who was in them was indicating when he testified beforehand the sufferings of Christ and the glories that would follow. So the reason that the Old Testament believers and people knew of the coming of Christ was because the Holy Spirit had told them. He prophesied to them. He witnessed to them. And in the Old Testament, we're going to talk a lot about what what the Holy Spirit does for us in this age, in the New Testament age. In the Old Testament, he did not indwell everyone uh, that was a believer. He only um, indwelled a few. And one of them, of course, would be King David, right? When, um, When he was anointed by Samuel, talked and anointed with the oil as the chosen king of Israel, it said that he has given the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit is something that is actually given to man at God's discretion. When Jesus comes to earth, he's he's here for his ministry, and at the time he's getting ready to go, he says, and all up to the time he was getting ready to leave through his death and resurrection, he told the, the believers, you know what? Somebody's coming after me. It's much better than I. It's the Holy Spirit. So um, he tells us several things. And these are some of the verses in John. The Holy Spirit has everything to do with why we have a relationship with Jesus Christ. And he has everything to do with why we can't do it ourselves. He has everything to do with why we can walk in the Spirit. So let's look at John 14, 25. When the Holy Spirit comes, he will teach you and bring to remembrance all things I have said to you. Do you ever have those moments in your life where you feel like God brings to mind something that you heard? You have a decision to make and all of a sudden a verse pops into your mind or you feel convicted of something? That's the Holy Spirit. He teaches us. He brings to mind things. Let's look at John 15, 26. But when the helper comes, whom I shall send you from the Father, the spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will testify of me. And you will also bear witness because you have been with me from the beginning. So he is sent to us. And then in John 16, 7, I love this verse. He says, Jesus is talking. He says, nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. And when he has come, he will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and judgment. We're going to go back to that verse a little later. And then in 16, 13, says, however, when he, the spirit of truth has come, he will guide you into all truth. For he does not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. So that's in reference to the fact that the Father, Son, and Spirit all agree when, they, in their, um, when, the, when the Spirit speaks. So this is for the believer only, ladies. Um, there are many spirits in the world. How do we test the spirits? How do we know which spirit is the Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit testifies of Jesus Christ and of his word. 
and of the truth of those things. Anything that you hear that does not testify that Jesus is the Christ is not of God. You know, I think it can get a little confusing these days. We can hear presidents or pastors or priests say things that do not line up with the word of God. They do not line up with the truth of God's word. And that, um, that means that they're not of the Lord. That is the, that's the litmus test. He testifies. He witnesses of Christ's baptism and crucifixion. We can't even become believers by believing in the Holy Spirit. We believe in Jesus Christ. And the Holy Spirit's whole testimony, his whole place is to testify in our hearts that Jesus Christ is true. Who remembers the day they became a believer? Do you remember the conviction you had when you heard that name, Jesus Christ? That was the Holy Spirit calling you and working in your heart and testifying of that truth. I remember the exact spot I was in when I heard that. I thought, that's it. That's it. That's the truth. That didn't come from me. I didn't conjure that up. That is the Holy Spirit speaking to us. So we can plant the seeds when we talk to others, but we cannot do that convicting for them. The Holy Spirit is also re, um, referred to as the advocate, like a legal term. His witness is true and it's good. So I want to talk a few minutes about his great work in our life. These things I found um, very overwhelming. And this isn't an exhaustive list, but this is some things to make us stop and think about what effect the Holy Spirit has on our life. And if we don't include him in our day-to-day, -day, we're going to talk about how we do that, how we stay filled with the Holy Spirit. If we don't keep him in our day-to-day, -day, our life, our Christian walk, will not, we will not be moving forward. This walking in the Spirit is an idea of moving forward. And the way we move forward is only by the work of the Holy Spirit in us. In Acts 2.38, Peter says, repent and be baptized, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And in John 6, 63, it says, only the Spirit gives life. We cannot conjure up these things. We can act joyful. We can act kind. We can act like Christians. But only God can cause us to walk in his Spirit and bear fruit. So we know that after Christ left, the, the day of Pentecost came, and the Holy Spirit entered the, the, um, entered the world for all of us as believers to engage and to be filled with. I wanted to finish this little portion here. Um, he convicts us um, of sin and righteousness. When he has come, he will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and judgment, of sin because they do not believe in me, of righteousness, because I go to my Father and you will see me no more. Of judgment, because the ruler of this world is judged. So, um, in this particular meaning of the word convict, it is more of a convincing. It's not a, this particular part um, of the verse is not about the Holy Spirit being the judge. The conviction is the awareness of. It makes us aware of sin in our lives. How do we know when something is sin besides the Holy Spirit? 
the word, right? The word has to agree with our conviction from the Holy Spirit, or it's not of him. We can never just say, oh, that feels right. Maybe it does feel right, but that's not enough. A lot of things can feel right that aren't right. That conviction of truth from the Holy Spirit has to be in conjunction with the Word and the Spirit. If you think you feel that God is telling you something's okay and it doesn't agree with what the Bible says, it's not of the Spirit. And we are very good as people of justifying what we want. And there are times that we turn off that voice and we don't really want to hear it. We want our own way. So that's why we need each other and why we need the word and why we need the Holy Spirit. He regenerates um, each of us and renews us. Titus 2. I'm sorry, Titus. I don't know if I know how to say Titus without the number two. Titus 3, 5, 3. It says, but when the kindness and love of God, our Savior, toward man appeared, not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us through the washing of regeneration and the renewing of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us abundantly through Jesus Christ, our Savior, that having been justified by his grace, we should become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. That's the whole salvation message right there in two verses, right? God comes to us. He regenerates us. He gives us the Holy Spirit. He does the whole thing for us. He washes us clean. All the old is gone. The new man has come. That too is the work of the Holy Spirit. I guess what I was convicted of when I read, looked up these verses was how little we have to do with it. Ladies. We have nothing to do with it. I've had people say that today before and I really didn't get it. But it's true. It is all his work. It says he baptizes a believer into the body of Christ. Romans 6, 3 through 5. Do you not know that as many of us were baptized into Christ Jesus, were baptized into his death? Therefore, we were buried with him through baptism unto death. That just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we should walk in newness of life. This new life that we have because he has given us one. He seals us with a pledge. I love this verse, 2 Corinthians 1.21. It says, now he who establishes us with, us with you in Christ and has anointed us is God, who has also sealed us and given us the spirit in our hearts and a guarantee. Anointed. Who knows what anointed means? It means set apart. God has set us apart as his holy people. We often think about, um, what we do, God's chosen people in the Old Testament is Israelites. In the New Testament, it is the believer. We are set apart for a purpose. He empowers us for service, for ministry. And that's his desire for us. And he seals us. What does that mean? That's a promise. That seal means that he owns us. Do you, have you ever um, seen a letter? They used to do it in the, old, in the olden days and where you take a letter and you put the little wax on there and you seal it. That's what this is exactly what it's talking about. God seals us. That means that's ownership. He says, I'm the author of this letter and this is my, my person and I'm sealing it. I'm promising it. You cannot lose your salvation, ladies. The Holy Spirit is a promise for that. It says that he is with us forever. 
He is with us forever. Does that mean that we always do things right? No. Does it mean we never fail? No. But we're going to talk about how to get back when we've lost our way in a few minutes here. But in, and in John 14, 15 through 17, it talks about the fact that he, there is that promise of eternity. Nothing can snatch us out of his hands. When life is hard, sometimes it's hard to believe that, isn't it? When there's illness, when there's struggles in relationships, when life just isn't too much fun, that promise is what holds us. It says he will never leave us or forsake us. Those are huge promises. And that's who we are as children of God. We are his forever. And we are the temple of God. 1 Corinthians 3.16. But our bodies are the temple of God. He dwells in us. Ladies, when you're walking through your day, do you, and if, you stayed, if we stayed aware of the fact that Christ dwells in us, how much does that affect our decisions? We make thousands of decisions a day. The kids are acting rotten. Do I throw a fit? Do I yell at them? Do I scream at them? Do I punish them? What is my reaction? If I really stop to think about the Christ, the Christ sending me the Holy Spirit to dwell in me, won't I be more accountable? This tremendous love that he has for me is to hold me stable. And he calls me to, to walk in his ways. The temple of God. If anyone defiles the temple of God, God will destroy him. For the temple of God is holy, which temple you are. That's not talking about destroying believers. God gives us a way to come back to fellowship with him. But once he's part of us, once he dwells in us, once we're believers, we are sealed with the pledge. It is an eternal promise that we will have eternity with God. Dwelling in us. Think about that word. I want you to just maybe put a card up on your bathroom mirror. Dwells, God dwells in me. This one, Romans 8, 26. Another part the Holy Spirit plays in our lives is that he prays for us on our behalf to Jesus and to God the Father. Likewise, the Spirit also helps in our weaknesses, for we do not know what we should pray as we ought, but the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Now, he's, now he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. Are you ever in a place like this where you just don't even know how to pray? Maybe you've been praying for a situation for years and years and years. And it doesn't seem to change. And sometimes we just kind of want to give up, don't we? But we should never give up praying. And we know that he will pray on our behalf. And sometimes I even just say, Lord, I don't know what to pray. Please pray. You know, please pray for me. I don't know the answer to this. That's actually most of the time. And he also grants us hope. It's a fabulous passage. Romans 5, 5. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. There it is again. It's that foundation of faith. 
through whom also we have access by faith into the grace in which we stand and rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. And not only that, but we also glory in tribulations, knowing that tribulations produces perseverance and perseverance character and character hope. And hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who has given to us. I think that's a hallmark, birthmark of a Christian is that they hold out hope even when things are tough. Even when things look really bad in the eyes of the world, we have hope because we know that the Holy Spirit is going to work out all things together for our good. So he prays for us. He grants us hope. He anoints us as set apart. He seals us for eternity. He dwells in us. He seals us with a pledge. He baptizes us in the body of believers. He regenerates our person. He convicts us of sin. He is our gift. So if we're all very honest, we don't do get it right every time, do we? And um, I, said, I think sometimes we wonder, how do I know if I'm filled with the Holy Spirit? Do you ever wonder that? Well, one thing is uh, if I'm a believer, I'm filled with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit testifies to my heart that I am His. If I believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, I am His. I'm a believer. He dwells in me because He says so. That's a, that's a matter of believing what God has said to me. Um, if I'm convicted of the truth of God's word, that's another sign that I have the Holy Spirit in me. Do you ever read the word and your heart just grabs it and it just goes deep down and it's what you hang on to? That is the Holy Spirit. If I'm not filled with the Holy Spirit, I don't care about God's word. And if I'm in a place where I don't care about God's word, where I'm not even thinking about God, I can count on the fact that I am not filled with the Holy Spirit. And I need to get back. If, am I bearing much fruit? What is the fruit of my life? Am I an angry, sour, unhappy, miserable person? That doesn't sound like the Holy Spirit I hear about in Scripture. Do you ever get to that place where you're just unhappy? We really need the Spirit to, to work with our spirit to bring us out of that. Am I growing as a Christian? Has anybody noticed? Has anybody said to you, hey, you know, you've really changed? Have you noticed your own reaction to things? Have you noticed your thought life? Has your thought life changed? Have your wants and needs changed? It's not so important how pretty I am or how rich I am or how much I have or how popular I am, all those things that are matter to you when you're younger, right? God changes us from the inside out. Our priorities become less me and more of him. Do I care more about him than my own self? Do I see those things change? Those are signs that the Holy Spirit is working from the inside out. So am I a believer? Am I bearing fruit? Am I growing? 
Am I convicted of the truth of his word? Those are all pretty good indicators of the Holy Spirit. If those, if those are positive answers, I can be confident that the Holy Spirit is working in me. But do you know, if I see the opposite, what if I'm not growing? What if I don't care? If I don't have good fruit, what's up? I know Jesus, what's going on? That I'm not filled with the Holy Spirit, so what do I do to get back? Ephesians 4.30 tells us about grieving the Holy Spirit. It doesn't give us a lot of details about that. But most of the comments I saw um, on, the, on this passage, it has to do with putting other things ahead of him. Christ, um, the Holy Spirit has done all the things we just talked about. And if we can turn our back on him, we can grieve him. If we leave him in the dust, you know, if we think we can handle life on our own, we don't need his word, we can do things our own way. Hey, God, I got this, don't worry. That grieves the Holy Spirit. He wants us. He wants to grow us. He wants to use us for ministry. He wants us to love him as we, as he loves us. I wanted to read this whole passage about do not grieve the spirit because it kind of opens up this passage. Therefore, putting away lying, let each one of you speak truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath, nor give place to the devil. Let him who steal, stole steal no longer, but rather let him labor, working with his hands what is good, that he may have something to give him who has need. So what do you see there? Good fruit versus bad fruit. Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but what is good for necessary edification that it may impart grace to the hearers. So he's shown both sides here, the good fruit and the bad fruit. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit by, of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. God has a plan for you. Don't grieve him. Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. And be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. So when I replace um, thoughts of God, the thoughts of his word, prayer with myself, when I ignore him, and I, what, what happens when you ignore God? For myself, I usually get pretty fearful. I struggle with doubt. <clears throat> I um, get a little grumpy. I want to control things my own way. Um, might find myself kind of feeling sorry for myself. Maybe jealousy becomes an issue for me, or um, maybe I get a little gossipy or judgy. You know, and the, and the more, the farther I stay away from the Holy Spirit, the harder it is to get back. That's true, because our hearts become hard. We are His child. And if we don't include him in our day, our hearts will become hard and it becomes easier to be all those nasty things. And another thing that happens during those times for myself is I stop praying. And I, I read a quote this morning that um, by a pastor, the worst thing is prayerlessness. And why is that? Because I quit talking to God. Prayer is how I keep that communication open. If I'm not praying, I'm not looking up. And I'm not looking for the Spirit. I'm not caring about His Word. Prayer is the key. It's not, that, it's not the afterthought. That prayer is the key to our relationship 
and keeping that Holy Spirit alive in our hearts. That's how he speaks back to us. So how do we get back? Well, we remember who we are. I would love it if you guys would spend some time looking up these verses on the Holy Spirit and find some more. There's plenty of them. The Holy Spirit, he loves you. He desires you. He upholds you. Get to know him. Thank him. Let him speak to your heart. Confess your sin. 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sin, he's faithful and just to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. That didn't get the whole verse there. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. We don't have to earn our way back. We just have to confess. Seek his word, ladies, and, his, and the Holy Spirit will minister to you. Do you guys have a little book like this? I love this little book. I think Carol McJones gave me this book. It's called Scripture Reference for Counseling Women. And sometimes I need to counsel myself. Anybody else? Yeah, like all the time. But if, if you're struggling with something in particular, there's great verses and thoughts and uh, reading and stuff, uh, scripture for the different things you might be struggling with. But let the word of God, let, let the Holy Spirit take that word of God and, and um, change your heart. And know your own triggers. Now, how am I going to keep from getting back there? Well, I'm going to commit to prayer and commit to obedience. I'm going to know that I, sometimes I get hangry, like that's a hungry, tired, that kind of thing going on. And when I'm in that, that kind of state, I'm more likely to, to care more about myself than the Holy Spirit. What kind of things get me to that place? What kind of triggers take me away from him? We just can't afford to stay in the dark. Uh, this past Sunday at church, we were talking about the parable of the good soil. And, um, you know, I thought, is my heart, is my heart a good soil? You know, does the seed of God's word go in and grow? Well, it will if I water it. And if I put the light on it, the truth of God's word. But if my heart is hard and dry, then there won't be any fruit. The one thing that the pastor said, too, is there's no guarantee that you'll always have good soil. You know, if I let that go, if I don't tend that garden, if I don't, if I'm not working on bearing that fruit and walking in his spirit, I don't know. But I'll be able, God will be there. So the issue isn't God, the issue is me. You know, how, how far will I go before I turn around and come back? Can we afford that? How long will I stay angry at the kids or mad at my husband or whatever's, you know, bugging me? How long will I play with those things before I turn to the Holy Spirit and ask him to, to speak to my heart, to quiet my heart, to give me peace, to give me forgiveness? I reached out to my sister-in-law in Missouri. You know, she loves the Holy Spirit. Let's see. She had something to say I thought you might like. She says, we are striving to be women of God, to bless our family, to provide a sanctuary of hope, faith, and love. I think every lady here can say that. And when we go to God in fellowship and request his help, he's very specific about what the Holy Spirit would do for us. The conditions for using the Holy Spirit is we have to engage. 
ask forgiveness of sins, go to God in prayer, learn his word, and act on it. It isn't passive, it is active. So act. Adore God, confess to God, and thank God. This was very practical. While we walk, while we brush our teeth, and while we dress, pray without ceasing. But that was sweet. She says, the Holy Spirit provides a door in, path, in a pathway to focus on the promises of God and not the problems in our life. Take your eyes off the problem and put your eyes on the promise. When I end up in a bad way, that's generally what I've done. I've taken my eyes off the promise. Spent some time just kind of wallowing in things this summer. I don't, I, and I realized I wasn't turning to God. I was just wallowing. There's a lot to wallow in these days. You know, I was listening to the news and we have some hard things going on with family and stuff. I was like, man, this, this all really stinks. This is really hard. And I just kept saying, this is really hard. But that really didn't get me anywhere at all. I had to turn my heart back, you know. Dear Jesus, help me turn my heart back. Soften my heart. Help me keep my eyes on you. I think about um, the many women in this room who have really, really hard things. And their testimony comes because in spite of those hard things, they love the Lord. They pray with all their heart. They're the best prayer warriors we've got. They're the softest lady women we have. And that's because they've been through some really hard things. God gives us that hope that no matter how hard things are, he's there for us. You know, if you take God out of the equation, life is still hard. Do you know that? But with God in the equation, we have him dwelling in us and walking along the way with us. I don't want to do it without him, do you? Let's close in prayer. Dearest Jesus, we just love you. We love you as the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. I pray, Lord, that you would prepare our hearts for this coming fall lessons, Lord, that we would learn to really walk in you. Not walk in our and our sin, not walk in our own desires, Lord, not walk in our selfishness, but walk in the ministry that you have called us to. And that ministry, Lord, can be summed up in Titus 2, that we love you, that we love our children, we love our husband. And that we're the women that you've called us to be. And thank you for the ladies that are here this morning, Lord, I pray, pray we bless their hearts this week. Help them to think about, Lord, are they close to you? Do they have the Holy Spirit walking with them every day? Do they need to get back? Do they need to encourage someone else to get back? Lord, we just thank you for all that you do for us and through us. In Jesus' name, amen.